everybody, welcome to Double A's for the Brain. I'm Aubrey Boxler. And I'm Anna Dill. Today we will be talking about fear and why we act so weird and irrationally because of it. Remember, there is no illusion greater than fear according to Lao Tzu. So today we're going to be talking about fear. Aubrey, do you want to go into depth about, like, you know, what some of your fears are? Just in general. My fears would have to be definitely clowns. Clowns? Ever since I was younger and I went to Haunted House, clowns and the McDonald character, him, like, seriously? Just ever since. That and probably drowning too, because the fear of not being able to breathe just kind of like gives you chills, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's like creepy. Yeah. I don't know. I think my biggest fear is definitely like spiders. Like, I'm okay looking at them. Okay, it's looking at them, but anytime they get close or if they're hairy, bye. <laughs> bye. Cancel. Okay. So basically, what I want to talk about too is like what makes people act like so irrationally out of fear. Mm-hmm. So like as we know, like there are obviously people who do really, really crazy and like horrible things that we think we'd never do because of it. Right. So, like, even looking at The Crucible, you know, I know we read that in Mrs. Reese's language arts class, and right? And Mrs. Schaefer's class. And Mrs. Schaefer's <laughs> class. And Mrs. Schaefer's class. Great story, by the way. And I want to go back to one of our main concepts we were talking about. Because I want to kind of think, like, what exactly, why, what makes fear? Like, what makes us fear? You know? I definitely feel like it'd, be, it'd have to be something that gets under your skin. It crawls under your skin. It gives you the heebie-jeebies. And it, like you said, it makes you act out of proportion. And it, there's a lot of consequences and um, a lot of ways that you will act out. So, like, from past experience or the thought of losing something or someone, um, our brain has a fight or flight reaction to how we see or view things. So I definitely feel like there's a lot to it when it comes to how our brain works and how we react to a lot of situations. Right, yeah. And I believe, like, too, like, especially, like, when it comes to, like, what's going to happen because of something, you know? Like, I know a lot of what happened in the Crucible was because of, you know, consequences. Like, a lot of these girls, like, ratted people out or they did these things because they were afraid of what was going to happen to them, you know? Like... Yeah, they chose them and they chose saving themselves instead of who they were there, who their family was and who was there for them. Exactly, yeah. Like, not gonna lie, like, I don't even know what I'd do in that situation. That'd be so, like... Crazy. Can you imagine that in today, like... I definitely would put my family and friends first. That's true, that's true. But back then, things were very, very different. It's save yourself or no one else. Yeah, I just feel especially sad, especially in this part. Like, on page 862, Mayor Warren says, she'll kill me for saying that to John Proctor whenever she's, like... Whenever he tells her, hey, you know, you gotta tell the court what's going on, you know? Abigail, she's gonna have all these people killed. What's going on here? You know, I feel so bad. Yeah. And it's just like, it's not right here. Yeah, Abigail was putting everyone, throwing everyone underneath the bus. And she was just saving herself. She was only thinking about herself. And no matter, like, her family, 
she she definitely wanted to put herself first. Definitely wanted to just definitely. get out. Definitely, she's very self-centered. Want to jump Proctor? That's all I could say. <laughs> oh, he must have been very handsome, but <laughs> must have been super handsome. I guess so. All right, so. The next thing I want to talk about, too, was even with John Proctor, like, we know he committed the crime of lechery, right? And adultery. Yeah. So, that... That made me so angry, because yeah. I really wanted to, like, like him as a person. And, like, I mean, I still do, because I feel like his faith was kind of... His goodness was kind of restored in the end, mm-hmm. you know? Because he was trying so hard... To um, try to be this good person. And I know he did a terrible thing, but he did make up for it, I feel like. Especially on page 885, he refused to sell his friends to Danforth. When he kept asking, did you ever see, did you ever see anyone with the devil? He, re- he replies, I did not. And he keeps pressing him and pressing him, you know, did I see anyone with the devil? I did not. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's also a good thing, because you know... He could have easily saw his friends and saved himself to be with his family, to do all these things. Yes. He was already dealing with enough of his problems with his family and stuff, too. He just found out that his wife was pregnant and she was really sick, and he just did not want to be dragged down any more than he was, and especially with what he put his wife and his family through. Exactly, yeah. And to know that he would live to take care of them and he to defend his friend's honor... You know, I feel like that's very, you know. very respectful. Yeah, and that was a consequence, I feel like, you know. Like, that's one of the things. Like, because of that, because of, like, defending his friend's honors, his consequence was death, you know. Yeah, and he realized, I feel like, at the end that he really wants to be with his family and he really wants to have that life. And especially now that she's going to be producing a new life, that he's going to miss out on a lot more. So he's going to... Well, at first, he was denying it, but then I think he realized towards the end that what's more important is his family and not himself, so... Yeah, but either way, he did realize that, you know, he has to do what's right, leave a legacy for his family, so... Exactly. I think out of fear, you know, the whole town went crazy. That's how, it, you know, all these consequences happened, you know, everyone went nuts. Mm-hmm. All right, so even going to, like, you know, the fall of losing something or someone you care about, like, I know, like... That is so scary to me. Like, I have two brothers. I have three brothers, you know. Mm -hmm. They drive me nuts. They drive me up the wall. But I love them so much. I could imagine losing any of them, you know. Mm -hmm. And I would do anything to protect them. So, like, if anything would happen, that's my biggest fear, you know. And even as, like, my parents say that all the time. I'm sure your parents say that, you know. Their biggest fear is losing their kids. I feel like, you know, that really ties in well with the Patriot Act. Because, like... It basically, the Patriot Act is the legislation that, you know, it kind of expanded law enforcement's ability to detect and, you know, deter terrorism in the U.S., especially after 9-11. Right. And that was a very hard and difficult time for many people and many families, especially with the family members that got to even speak and hear the last words of their family members on that, on that plane. Yeah, even on Flight 93, too, exactly. And... Even, like, from the report, it says, like, the, from a 2012 report from the Conservation Heritage Foundation, they stated that the Patriot Act is essential to helping law enforcement identify leads and prevent, ter- prevent terroristic attacks. Mm-hmm. 
And also in 2004, testimony before the United States Senate Committee on the, the Judiciary, FBI Director Robert Mueller said that the Patriot Act has proved extraordinarily beneficial in the war on terrorism and has changed the way the, F the FBI does its business. And many of our counter-terrorism -terror successes, in fact, are the direct results of provisions, including the Act. And I feel like no matter, like, they're trying to create a system that state that you can view that the people on the plane they're safe and they have nothing to be afraid of like on 9-11 on on their plane in and the plane in the tower you know like it's yeah. e everywhere just so like these kind of attacks are never happening again mm -hmm. i think like it's very important so that you know cause fear there was so much fear going on that day there was so much chaos like you can't I, walk out your house without feeling like something could happen. And right, you, like, you, like never, don't know. you never know. Any day, you know, anything could happen. Yes. So it's a good thing that, like, we take extra precautions to make sure, you know, everyone is safe. I think that's an important thing to make sure of, you know. Like, it's important to make sure you care for the people you love and care about. You know, you'll do anything. you go to any extent to make sure they're safe. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's kind of what the Patriot Act, how that contributes to fear, you know. You never mm -hmm. want to, like, experience that. And that's kind of goes into, like, two experiences for fear, you know? Like, could you elaborate on some experiences on that ever made you scared? Like, what was an experience that, like, scared you so much? Like, it doesn't have to be so, like, you know, we were kind of on the dark topic earlier, but, yeah. like, yeah, let's move on to something a little bit brighter, you know? This is kind of funny. I, when I was younger and we first got our kayaks at our campground, we were we were kayaking and it was in the middle of October so the water is really high and the one thing that scared me were the wakes from the river and okay. the wakes were so high that it was easily like filling up our kayaks and we were sinking and it was just I was so scared and I was so young too so I didn't know what to do or how to react so my instant reaction was to grab onto a tree and save, like, just hold on for dear life because oh, geez. that was terrifying. I felt like that I was going to end up getting caught in the wake and Yeah, drowning. get stuck in the river, yeah. Yeah, so ever since then, I've just been scared of wakes. Even at the beach when the waves come in, I'm still scared of them. Oh, geez, I'm sure. Yeah, like, I know, like, one of my experiences, okay... I was a very bratty child, okay? <laughs> very bratty, very um, rebellious, so, like, very smart. Not expected. Very smart, Alec, okay? So, like, my mom, when my brother was really, when my brother was a baby, she was like, okay, and, uh, you know, she's ironing shirts. She's like, okay, I'm going to go get my, go get your brother's formula. Do not touch the iron. Me being the little smart Alec I was, I was like, okay, I'm not going to touch the iron. I'll just rock the iron board, okay? So, you know, I'm rocking the ironing board, you know, being like, oh, I'm not touching the iron. And, you know, the thing falls flat on my hand. You know, I'm screaming. She comes upstairs. She's yelling at me. It's a whole mess. I bet you learned your lesson from that. I definitely did. It was really bad, but I was fine, you know, obviously. But, yeah. Eventually. <laughs> the emotional scars were probably worse, honestly. Yeah. So... Either way, that kind of ties into, like, experiences, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, I, for the longest time, I was so afraid of the iron after that. Mm -hmm. I, I refused to, like, even think about ironing my own clothes for the longest time. Right. So it kind of ties in with, like, you know, how our own experiences can tie in with, like, irrational fears, you know? Why people act weird, you know? Or, yeah. like... Their fight-or-flight reaction. Exactly, yeah. 
so it kind of ties in with Arthur Miller, you know, why he wrote The Crucible. I remember um, reading in his um, story, not his story. His article. His article, sorry. <laughs> why I wrote The Crucible. And he said, which I thought was really interesting, I have lost the dead weight of the fear I had then. Fear doesn't travel well, just as it can warp judgment. Its absence can diminish memory's truth. I feel like that's very interesting. It is. Because, like, at the same time, like... Hmm. I'm trying to think. Because at the same time, I feel like fear... This kind of, like, ties into how he overcame his experience with fear. Because, as we know, he overcame um, being blacklisted in Hollywood through the Red Scare. You know, he was a Hollywood production artist. And he wrote The Crucible in comparison to his own events, to his own life. He lived through John Proctor. That's who he wrote his life through. Correct, yeah. So I feel like it's important to like realize that, like, yeah, fear doesn't travel well. Don't carry it with you. Don't dwell on the past events. But also, don't forget it, because at the same time, you know, you feared it for a reason. Don't forget what happened, what the experience was, but don't make it, you know, prevent you from doing anything right. later on. Right, because you can't just stop and not live your life because of one little thing. Exactly. For example, a spider being in your way. Yeah. <laughs> spiders, mm, I don't know about that one, Aubrey. Spiders are still a little creepy to me. All right. And even like looking back still at his story, The Crucible, he says The Crucible is still telling people now that the, ooh, read the quote wrong, my bad, everybody. The Crucible is telling people ha- now I know that the Paranoid Center is still pumping out the same darkly attractive warning it did in the 50s. I think what he meant by that, basically, was that, like, this tale is timeless. Right. You know, it can be applied to anything. Right, because not, like, not even just about, like, in the past, like, in the Salem witch trials, but also, like, now there is also witchcraft that some people perform, and, like, anyone could read into it and... It could, re- like, you know what I mean? Like, it could be on like, now. It could be about the past. Like, people using each other as scapegoats, really, you know? Yeah, or even, like, just putting them under the bus, throwing them under the bus. Exactly, yeah, to save your own skin, you know? P- fear makes people do crazy things to save themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very crazy, but, like, at the same time, spiders? Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, that's basically... Our point on fear. Aubrey, would you like to add anything else? Any other fun stories or facts? Well, I think that overcoming your fear is the best therapy that you can do for yourself because then, like, if you're afraid of heights and go skydiving, like, there's always a solution to that problem and there's no better way of feeling that relief and that weight off your shoulders is experiencing it and yeah yeah fear has a crazy fear has a way to make people behave crazy just remember to like you know keep an open mind look at all sides of the story you know yeah. and as Aubrey said don't be afraid to you know don't be afraid to don't put, yourself, afraid out to put there. yourself out there don't be afraid to go try to conquer your fears as broad brad mind brad mondo says live your best life so Exactly, and that is the end of our podcast, and I hope you learned a little bit more about fear and from other perspectives and other people.